Welcome to the Triathlete Hour. This week, we're talking to U.S. national team member Kristen Casper. Kristen just came off a third place at the World Cup and will be racing in Leeds this weekend at the last Olympic qualifying event. Because yes, she is trying to make one of the hardest teams to make the U.S. women's Olympic triathlon team. She talks to us about what that's like, some of the changes she made in the last year, and how she got into triathlon in the first place after coming off a swimming and running background in college. Plus, she tells us how she came back from an injury and a crash at the Tokyo Test event. Now, before that, Laura Sidal joins us again for Sid Talks to break down that Leeds, that race in Leeds this weekend, kind of what we should be looking for, the Olympic qualifying that's on the line, and all the things happening right now in racing. Stay tuned for all of that after this break. Power your next adventure with Outside Plus. Our Outside Plus membership gives you access not just to exclusive triathlete content, but to content across all our network brands like Backpacker, Velo News, Outside Magazine, and Trail Runner. With an annual membership, you get two magazine subscriptions, two VeloPress books, a library of resources like yoga journal meditation classes and clean eating meal plans, gear and event discounts, access to Gaia GPS, dozens of training plans through today's plan software, and a free finisher picks package each year. All for just $99. This is the world's best resource for training, nutrition, know-how, and how-tos. Join at triathlete.com backslash outside plus. That's outside, P-L-U-S, one word, dot com. All right, we're back with Sid Talks. And Sid, you did a race. How long has it been? I know. Uh, December 2019, I think, was my last race. And, I, and I'm very dis- disappointed because I've not been able to do my post Monday, post race Monday Instagram yet. Like oh, debrief of all my, I don't have photos now yet. I'm searching them. Um, yeah, I did a race and it was pretty exciting afterwards. And um, I got spat out the back in the first 10 meters of the <laughs> swim and went, oh, I'm back racing. You need to go when the gun goes um, and spent the rest of the swim chasing. But um yeah, it was cool. And it was a really great event. The team, it was Challenge St. Paulton in Austria. The team did an amazing job uh, putting on an event. And like my first experience, oh, I'd been obviously to Daytona and Miami, but I guess from an, the other side of things, from organization, but as an athlete in the race and seeing it in a few months further down the line, it was, yeah, really impressive. Like lots of, co- you know, bubbled areas and we all had like obviously – PCR tests every other day it felt like and had different wristbands to make sure we were checked and you're only allowed in on those areas but um full road closed which was amazing I mean we were 30k down a highway at one point which was fully closed and it was a one big 90k loop in like typical Austrian picture postcard country and then and then yeah and then a cool run um I did not I'd forgotten what a joy those early morning race starts are. That, <laughs> oh, yeah. That, like, the Saturday afternoon, like, killing time because you don't want to go to bed because it's 5 p.m., but you've got to get up at 3.30, so you really shouldn't be going to bed. But it's right. so out of sync of, like, it's nothing like you normally do. 
Um, and then that just whole like anticipation of not really sleeping because you're just waiting for that alarm to go off. Um, you know, it's not really the night before that matters, right? It's like the two. But then one time, once I realized that, then I started stressing out about two nights before. And I think I made the mistake as well. Like I'd probably wound myself up into a bit of a state about, oh my God, it's my first race back and I have no idea where I'm at. And obviously with all with COVID and everything. And even though there were all the precautions, like I literally lived in my hotel room apart from like going out to training and getting onto the site to register. Like I didn't go out, I bought dinner and then ate back in my hotel room and didn't really like socialize. And so at that point I'm just going stir crazy with my head, getting to like cabin fever with my head and there's this race and I've got no actual normal life. (laughs) So yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's the danger of, well, it's the danger of traveling to other countries by yourself to race always, but particularly yeah. right now. Yeah, I only yeah. saw that the challenge, and I could never say it, challenge Austria race happened because Ann Hogg like passed Imogen Simmons in like <gasps> 300 yeah. meters to go. Uh, yes. And I saw it on Instagram and it was very exciting. Yeah. And, you know, on the whole note of like where people are at, I was literally just the other day like, man, I wonder how Imogen's doing because she was – very very good in 2019 and she i think is on good form again on like just gonna be another level of athlete just like another couple of years of training and experience and stuff like that and um like just yeah and had a bit of a chat to her just kind of super down to earth and like she yeah held i mean annie ran a 114 imogen ran a 118 um i do think annie got a penalty a minute stand down for something in transition, but I'm not sure what that was. And, you know, again, we say shoulda, woulda, coulda, but that, that was racing. Um, but she gave everything and like, she's still to hold her off. Cause I saw them like on lap one at one of the out and backs and Annie wasn't that far behind at that point. So to then hold her off for a whole nother lap, but then yeah, like crushing to get, but I think Imogen like was super happy with that. She's like, like, yeah, I mean, you get run down by the defending world champ, one of the best yeah. runners in the sport. You're like, yeah. well, I did exactly. a pretty good job. Yeah, I did a exactly. <laughs> I, on the other hand, didn't quite get there to run down third place. <laughs> like, well, and the, the only photo I've got so far is of Maya Stage Nelson of she, her finishing crossing the line. And you can just see a blurred picture of me in the finish sheet at the same time. And I'm like, yep, that's me. <laughs> What's the joke? The joke is the goal is to not be the blurred person in the yeah. background. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, I got that. I did it. Got it. Tick the box straight away. <laughs> so we do have another another big race coming up this weekend in terms of, you know, getting back to racing now, seeing where people are at. The World Triathlon Championship Series, which now they've made it very long to say, in Leeds. It's a big deal. It's a big deal because it's the last championship series level race before Olympic qualifying is over. It's going to have like all, well, not all the big names, but for the US, for Britain, it has a lot of very big names. And it's, I mean, there's one more smaller World Cup event before qualifying (laughs) is over, but this is sort of it. Like, this is it. (laughs) I don't think anyone's interested. I think all the talk is about Leeds and what's going to go down in Leeds as the as the final race. I think all the, any most selection decisions are going to be made off the back of Leeds. Yeah, I would have, I would tell you that I have read the official selection document <laughs> yeah, criteria. Do, yeah. well. <laughs> and legally, they are not making any decisions until June right. 14th. Just so you know, so. Which, which is after Leeds. 
June the 14th, yeah. like it is after Leeds, but yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the Leeds race this weekend, it has oh, the start list for the British yeah. women. It has all the top British women. It has Georgia Taylor-Brown, Vicky Holland, Non Stanford, Beth Potter, Lucy actually, Charles. Yeah, so actually it doesn't have Georgia Taylor-Brown, I don't Not think. Not anymore, which is, oh, okay. No, but it does have Sophie Coldwell, Non Stanford, mm. Liam Moth, Holland, Potter, uh, Olivia Mathias and Shane Short. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the British women. Yeah, they're not. And as you said, Sean at Ramsley, Rainsley. That's who I was trying to say her name. Sorry, Sean. And then, like you said, Lucy Charles Barkley, whose name now that she's married is al- almost as long as World Triathlon Series Championship <laughs> race. <laughs> really hard. It, okay, I got to tell you something. In the US, whenever they say Charles Barkley, it like it always makes me laugh. But isn't isn't because it isn't a basket. He's player. a basketball player. Yeah, yes. there we go. Yeah. Yes, you see, yeah. I know my US sports. But <laughs> Lucy Charles is making her what used to be called ITU World Triathlon debut this weekend. She picked quite the race to do it at. Yeah. It's going to be competitive. And it's also an interesting like move because she can't make the team. The team's already been named. It's, it's the last race of the qualifying. So it's not like she's going to do more of well, these races this year. So Yes and no. So I think her motive is to try and race for England at the Commonwealth Games. Okay. And so in order to do that, she needs to get points and get a WTS ranking. And in order to get points, she obviously needs a start. And I think that was the sticking point before that she couldn't get a start in any of the races because obviously the British team are so many. But I have a feeling with Leeds, and, and it's weird going straight into like why. I was going to say usually you have to or you have to start yeah. lower. So, so did think, she not have to start lower and work well, her way I up? They just think, let her start this one. I think there might have been some policy rules, um, but also I think probably with the latest restrictions of travel to and from the UK that have come in again I think probably a few people dropped out of the race and so that and with it being a home nation race they I think they have more slots anyway and so there was an opportunity for her getting in god okay but this is like obviously I mean it's funny because it is the thing that everyone's been talking about this week Lucy Charles is on the start list no one knows what this is going to look like it's a very different style of racing evidently she only found out she was starting 11 days before the race because that's how yeah. start list work right? yeah. it rolls down you don't find out I am not aware of her doing any draft legal racing uh, besides the one super league Zwift. that was virtual <laughs> was, yeah that was virtual and so... we've done you know we've done crit racing in Zwift and we've done scratch racing in Zwift but that is all virtual and you don't have to corner and you don't have to break and you you just run through the avatar in front of you <laughs> you don't have to avoid them <laughs> yeah it'll be um interesting to see what happens so that is kind of it's it's a uh, We've been arguing on our staff, kind of. That is the thing everyone's talking about. But also, there's this massive thing happening <laughs> with the U.S. women where there's only one spot left, and Katie Zafaris and Taylor Spivey and Kristen Casper are all racing, and there's only one spot. And what happens? Yeah, <laughs> like, and it is. It's gonna. There's gonna be like obviously. This is. It's gonna be interesting because a lot of the athletes that we didn't see in Yokohama. And now racing in Leeds that are yes, going to be those. Yes, you'll have Laura Duffy back. You'll have Laura Duffy and the Brits like Jess and and Vicky and and that sort of thing. And then you've got Lucy Charles Barkley in the mix. But then that's like completely like, and you've got this, then this American battle going on, which is going to be who gets to the line first between them, not officially because the decision isn't going to be made from that race. But also then in rankings is the whole point, and you just hope that 
the whole race yeah i mean to be super super clear because i think people are going to think like oh whoever crosses the line first american gets the spot there is no no spot that's not how it's working there is no guaranteed it's literally just this is the last major performance that the u.s selection committee will then consider when they decide they will decide based on discretion so everyone's coming in just hoping to impress, like just hoping yeah. to look really good, to beat the other person by a lot so that they can like make their case, their argument. Yeah. yeah. It's a little stressful. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm only just like coping with the race I've just had this weekend. And now I'm talking about this and I'm like getting nervous again. And we've still got five days or six days to get through before we get to the weekend and leads. But yeah. It's also, um, they did change the course, which I think you've noted, a couple of the athletes have noted to me. It is now actually going to be one of the hilliest courses on the World Triathlon Circuit because they kept it all within the park for COVID reasons. But that means they're going to go up and down this one, the hill, the hill in Leeds. Nine times. Yeah, it's going to be. That's it. So they they swim at Round Hay Park. And then in the past, they've done like a a straight arrow shoot almost to the city center and then done laps around the city center, which I think has been a little bit hilly and technical in the past. But now... Yeah, they're trying to contain it all out at Round Hay Park. And so it's actually a lot more technical and challenging than I think people are going to be expecting. Which obviously, yeah. I mean, I hope like if Flora doesn't win, we will be shocked. But the yeah. other person here, it's like if it's almost like Alistair Brownlee got to design a course specifically <laughs> for himself. <laughs> to qualify for the Olympics. <laughs> this would be his course in his backyard where he trains. He probably dug the hill himself and like built and it. <laughs> if he could just like also like cold rain the whole time, he would be happy. <laughs> Make yeah. it super wet, slippy, add a few more. <laughs> That's right. Because that is the other big thing this weekend is obviously the British men. They also have one spot left. They yes. probably are not earning two spots at this point. I've looked at the rankings a bunch. It's probably yeah. not. I mean, two more spots, to be fair. Johnny Brownlee's already yeah. been named. They have one more spot. Alistair really wants that spot. Yeah. Alistair DNF'd the race this last weekend. Johnny won. If Johnny won. If Alistair could somehow pull off a win in Leeds, then maybe Which, he'll make his case. Do you know what? Knowing Alistair, it yeah. wouldn't surprise me if he did. Yeah. Like just when the shit hits the fan and the back's up against the wall, I it wouldn't surprise me if he did just pull it out the bag and win, and then we'd all go, oh, "All right, okay." <laughs> like, but yeah, I not he sure it, it's going to happen. To be clear, yeah, he yeah. hasn't. Yeah. He doesn't have like world triathlon yeah. results on the board right now. He, no. but he's Alistair Brownlee, so who knows? This is it. He is the double this Olympic champion. Yeah, this would be his fourth Olympics if he makes it. Did you realize that? It would, yeah. Uh, I remember seeing him in Beijing when he was kind of like, nobody knew who he was, but there was this young kid at the front of the race leading onto the run and everyone, I was there. It was my first experience of triathlon. So I was like, oh my God, what will we do? We've got a British person leading the race and this is a sport that I have nothing. How do I not know about this? And then he just went disaster, like just rapidly backwards, I think at that point in the rest of the run. But it was that first... I think that race was kind of that first indication that, oh, there's right. there's something going on here. It's kind of like, yeah. Yeah. The U.S. men, however, will get three spots, just so you know. Just so, saying that, right. Yeah. Just letting you know. <laughs> we'll see you in the relay, regardless. <laughs> the relay is also the other exciting as, as thing. As long as we beat the French, isn't it? Is that what we're going with? As long as we all beat the French, who cares who wins? <laughs> I think that is the... Uh, 
the theme. <laughs> the mix relay is the other exciting thing in the Olympics. I just put a story up today kind of about how it works and what it is so people know. Uh, it is very exciting. It's very fun. It's also a little confusing. You and I were talking because every country that has qualified two men and two women can field a relay team, yeah. but you, then you can also qualify as a relay and then your athletes get to race the individual. You have to race the individual. Actually, you have to start yeah. it in order to be eligible for the relay. So I, I, think, think, weird... I think that has to be yeah. fair, actually, doesn't it? Because otherwise yeah. you're going to get super fresh. But there are athletes, there is some talk but, yeah, about people yeah, starting and then dropping yeah, out. I, know, oh, yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a weird thing. And, uh, and as best I can tell, currently, there are 17 countries that have okay. te- that could field teams. Okay. But really, it's about the U.S., the British, and the French, and the Australians. Yeah. And the Norwegians, maybe. Maybe. No, maybe. the Norwegians don't have a team. Oh, they, they didn't I get a team. No. Because they don't have enough women qualified. So. Ah, there we go. So I didn't realize that one because I was just thinking they'd won the last few races. But yeah. The Belgians. You're mixing the Belgians and the Norwegians. And the, right? That's right. Those two countries that are nowhere near each other. And I'm European and I should know my geography. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it is all about Olympics, I feel like, for the next little bit. And then we'll get back into kind of the whole long-distance Ironman Kona qualifying. But there is, I mean, there is Ironman Cairns, 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 I can never say that, coming up this weekend. And then we do have Ironman Coeur d'Alene here. And Lake Placid. And Lake Placid in July. And the thing that's weird to me, and this is why we wanted to talk about this, it's very, very, I don't want to say hard to find out. (laughs) It is unclear how many age group Kona spots each of these races has because they kind of, like I just got an email a couple weeks a week or two. They added seventy five more to Coeur d'Alene. It looks like it looks like to me. They also opened the wait list up last week. If anyone wants to do a Ironman in four weeks, <laughs> there's probably some people that do. I'm sure yeah. there is. So it's a little. It feels a little bit, and I get it. I get it. It's co- like it's it so feels hard. a little bit like they need to flesh. The, like they're just like, oh shit. What races are actually going to happen? Let's add spots to those. Yeah. And, and also, and I mean, at the moment, most of the world can't enter the US. Mm-hmm. So if they're going to hold Kona, I'm guessing they need predominantly athletes that are have qualified from the US and can get to Kona. Because I'm not, but I mean, having said that, I think there's two, you know, Ironman Cairns is two male spots. For the pros, there's two males, two female spots. I'm not sure about, again, I don't know about age groupers over there. But if it's anything like, I think, uh, I'm in New Zealand that had quite a decent number of it had a lot right yeah. yeah yeah it rolled yeah. uh and if you look and again you know there are people that do this there are sites that do this we can say but if you look at how far it rolled down in you know Tulsa or at Car- yeah. or at uh, New Zealand or at uh Western Australia was the one in Australia right if you yeah. look at these it roll it's it's going pretty deep these days yeah. Yeah, well, I think for I think I saw for Tulsa for some of the male age groups there were like fifteen slots up for grabs, which happens. I mean, in some of those big male age groups, yeah. like you get a lot of slots. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. So so yeah. So if anybody, but it's also funny <laughs> because all the races are sold out. You have to be on a wait list. They are opening the wait list. They are as because people aren't starting because they can't get into the country or they can't yeah. fix their, you know what I mean? Like they, there is a higher percentage of people who are pulling out. So they are opening, but they're opening the very last minute. <laughs> so it's like, a, like a, I heard, so a friend told me her athlete got an email that he is off the wait list nine days before Tulsa. <gasps> and, he, and he was like, um, Oh my God. 
Wow, yeah. Well, you know, it's like it's like it's like Lucy Charles Barkley and WTS racing. Nine days before the race, you're on the star list. <laughs> You've never done right. a race before, but you're in. <laughs> so you know, it'll be. It's, it's an interesting year. We'll see how it goes. Well, well, I mean, we had. Um, yeah, it is very interesting, and in fact, like so, coming to challenge St. Paulton this weekend. Um, Austria suddenly put a ban on UK people. Well, they didn't put ban on them. They just said that actually people, anyone from the UK has to quarantine for five days on arrival. So suddenly that meant all the British athletes that were coming over to race, mm. unless they'd already arrived in the country, couldn't get there because the five days quarantine would have meant they missed, the, they were quarantining right. whilst a race. So then they couldn't race. And then, so I know Tom Davis, uh, the British pro, he was literally at the airport about sort of get on this flight. And then they said, I'm sorry, you can't come because you're going to have to quarantine. That was to do a half distance. So he booked to Spain because Spain's letting everyone in, come to Spain, spend your tourist (laughs) dollars, don't need a PCR test, just come and come and come and lie on the beach. And so he then flew to Spain and did a full distance instead of a half distance in Austria and then got a flight at... 6 a.m. the day after the full distance. <laughs> like, so he had like a 2 a.m. wake up call having done. I, he so, didn't yeah. go to sleep. Let's be real. Yeah. He didn't go to sleep. Yeah. Imagine my, I mean, I had the same. I had a, I was up at 3 30 this morning to get my flight at 7 a.m. back to, back to Jerome. I'm like, who is the travel agent that books that flight? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. That, oh, that'll yeah, be yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. I actually just booked a bunch of stuff for the fall for reason, whatever, you know, getting all this, all this stuff we're talking about, just booked a bunch of stuff for the fall. And it is, it is weird to remember like, oh yeah, races yeah. and schedules and, and airports and how much is the bike fee and you have to court all that <sighs> stuff, Don't, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. And COVID tests. And you Still see, this isn't, isn't this Vaccine, what you missed? COVID tests, yeah. all that. <laughs> all that. And then no one, no one freaking checked my COVID test at the airport. I like chased around on Saturday getting this, having the PCR test because the antigen test wasn't, was covered for the race, but didn't cover for the travel. Got to Sunday night and my results went through, starting to have like that mild sweat with a a 7am flight the next day. Chased around, got the results through and then get to the airport and no one checked. I was like, that. check my freaking PCR test. I've paid 150 euros for this. You will check it. It is real. At least you didn't have uh, Joe Brown, the Canadian's uh, whole oh, saga, where yes. she got sick coming back from Yokohama, flew to Lisbon from Yokohama because they were told, you know, mixed team relay was important. Uh, got then there, it, turned out they pulled out of the event because yeah, the mixed team was relay getting, wasn't important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then she and like was getting sicker and sicker, oh. had a kidney infection, but they, but her antigen test popped up a false positive. Yes. They put her on a COVID ward, made her like sit in, and then she got a real PCR test and turned out she didn't have COVID, but then she'd been on the ward, so ward, she couldn't so she slept, get out. I slept or didn't, couldn't travel. Yeah. I just felt so sorry. She, I was and she was that. like, oh my God. So yeah, these are the things that happen to yeah. athletes. This is life. This is yeah. life now. <laughs> And then we expect them to get out there and perform. And perform. Their best. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Anyway, it's a weird year. This is what we're going to be watching for in Leeds. Yeah. Alistair Brownlee is just going to roll out of bed, not have to deal with any of this, and go still beat in, everyone. Still in his slippers, dressing gown, mug of coffee, transition. <laughs> Thanks for chatting. Thanks, uh, Kelly. Go to bed now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
right. This week, we're talking to Kristen Casper, who's on the U.S. national team, has been fourth in the World Tri Series two years and got third at the World Cup last week. Kristen, you're in Portugal right now. You were in Italy last week. You were in Yokohama before that. You'll be in the U.K. next week. How do you how much do you travel in a regular year is what I want to know. (laughs) Yeah, actually, I'm pretty excited to be traveling right now. Given COVID, we were. I was not traveling and it threw me off. Um, So no, we actually are on the road most of the summer and I enjoy it because that means it's race season. So I'm happy to be in Europe racing right now. How do you guys manage that? I mean, I would assume you have kind of like a suitcase that you just take with you and you're gone for months on end. Yeah, exactly. Um, You can become really good at packing a suitcase and knowing what exactly you need. It's always challenging when there's different climates and you have to prepare that way. But uh, no, we we get looks through traveling to the airport because we have a lot of luggage. We have a suitcase, bike (laughs) bag, carry on backpack. Yeah, it's it's there's a lot of things. But um, now that we've traveled this much, I think we, we got it nailed down. And your fiance is also an athlete, right? But he is trying to make the Canadian Olympic team. Do you guys try and coordinate your travel schedules? Do you see each other that often? Yeah, we saw each other in Lisbon, which was really nice because we went about two and a half months without seeing each other since we are in different training groups. But um, no, he's pretty focused on what he needs to do to qualify for Olympics. And I'm trying to do the same. So going into the season, we kind of knew that we would cross paths, but it, it wasn't us coordinating things. We had to follow kind of the path we needed to make it our Olympic selection or qualification a little easier. Yeah, I can see that. It seems like hard to, I mean, I know there are lots of athletes who have a significant other on another country's team, but it does seem hard to kind of navigate all of that. Yes, absolutely. Um, It is nice when it lines up. Like last week when I got to see him in Lisbon and he uh, executed a good race and I had a good race. So it was, it was good to celebrate together. Um, And hopefully I'll see him in Mexico. I plan to head to uh, Watoko World Cup after Leeds and uh, we'll be there together. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you guys are getting married in, next year sometime, right? Yeah, we, we decided to wait till 2022 with COVID and the Olympic stuff. Um, so May 28th, 2022 in Victoria, we're going to get married. Awesome. Let's uh let's talk a little bit. I was about to just like jump ahead into COVID and training. and But let's <laughs> talk about how you got into to try in the first place. Because you, I mean, you swam in high school. You were state champion. You ran. How did you pick running though? Cause you ended up running collegiately at Georgetown. Why that instead of, instead swimming. of swimming? Yeah. So yeah. I started swimming first when I was five, I was a competitive swimmer and, um, I didn't start running till I was in high school. So to me, it was something where I had more room for growth and uh, I was excited about it. Whereas I've been swimming for a few, like many years and I was getting a little burnt out. So I had the opportunity to run and I decided to go that route to see where it could take me. And I'm grateful for that because Having gone to Georgetown, it's what led me to triathlon. So uh, Barb Lindquist was working with the US uh, USA Triathlon with the CRP program, the Collegiate Recruitment Program. And she reached out to me and offered me this opportunity to give triathlon a go. And that's how I started. And that was June 2014. How exactly does I know? Because I know Barb like went out and she found Gwen Jorgensen too. And like, she's gone out and found these like people who were really good runners, but swam in high school or were swimmers and knew how to run. How does she find the right people? Yeah. (laughs) I think there's a a big team behind the scenes that um, helps with it, but no, she actually will show up at the NCAA track meets and recruit people that way. She'll have a tent and she'll speak to athletes. Um, But 
she had been following me as an athlete based off of my high school swimming and running. Um, she kind of looks for those dual sport athletes and sees where they go in college. And then it goes from there. So, um, yeah, she's recruited Gwen, Katie, uh, summer. It's amazing. The women that she's actually recruited and, uh, it's made a big difference, I think in our program. So, she obviously with a collegiate recruitment program targets people who like know how to swim and run and then they teach you how to bike, right? Mm -hmm. That's pretty much how that works. Yes, exactly. Yeah. How hard was it to learn how to bike? Like what was the hardest part? (laughs) It was a pretty steep learning curve. I mean, I um, definitely had to learn a lot. Like um, one of my first things I did was try to go on the rollers and that was like very frightening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also had to learn pretty quick that I needed to buy proper cycling gear because I showed up in my run clothes. And I remember being at a camp with Bobby McGee and he was like, cursed, you need to go buy a Jersey. You got to bring food and fuel. And, um, I didn't have enough water bottle cages on my bike at the time. So I had a lot of learning to do. Um, but it was amazing how quickly I was able to pick it up. Thanks to the program itself. There was athletes that had done triathlon and they kind of like Kevin McDowell, I remember Chelsea Burns, they kind of helped me along the way. And, I answered a lot of my, my newbie questions that I had for them. And, uh, no, it, it was definitely a steep learning curve, but I, I'm grateful for it because actually I, I really enjoy cycling now. <laughs> what were some <laughs> of your questions? Oh man. I honestly, the thought of like mounting my bike. Um, I, I remember I went on my first three hour ride with Kevin McDowell and he had talked me through it. Um, like it was just, it was just those type of things, um, that I had never experienced before. So, um, just trying to learn the whole triathlon game, how racing works, everything. Yeah. So did you start the collegiate recruitment for like learning how to do triathlon while you were still in college or had you actually finished up Georgetown by then? Yeah. So I finished my undergrad degree in 2013 and then I still had eligibility to run. So I did a fifth year. Mm. Um, so I was in grad school when they recruited me and I had one more semester left when I started triathlon. So the fall of 2014, I was training for triathlon, but finishing school. Yeah. Okay. So I was going to say, uh, obviously once you finish your degree and stuff, you could, you have like, it's like you have sports management degree, right? You could go and get a a job in sports management. You did not. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah. So my grad program was sports management and honestly, I knew I wasn't ready to be done competing. And that's kind of what excited me about this opportunity. It was either, I didn't think I was going to be able to make it in just pure running. So I was interested mm-hmm. maybe in doing the marathon, trying the longer distance, but then triathlon, uh, growing up, people always told me I should try triathlon because I got two of the three sports. And so when the opportunity presented itself, it was kind of like, here we go, I'm jumping in. Um, and so no, it's exciting. Cause I, yeah, I wasn't ready to enter the real world and started a job. <laughs> I knew I, I had this Olympic goal and I knew I could pursue it. And so I, I went for it. So, uh, once you start the collegiate recruitment program and then, you know, you're learning how to bike and everything, what kind of is the progression from Kevin McDowell talking you through a three hour ride to <laughs> like, Oh, I'm going to be a pro and like, I can make the, you know what I'm saying? Like how long did that kind of take? Sure. So I started in June officially with, uh, the CRP program and I got my pro card mid August. So I became a mm-hmm. professional and able to race at the IT level. And my first race was U23 Worlds in Edmonton. So they threw me right into it. 
um, first Olympic distance, here you go, you're at Worlds. And so um, I think it was better that I didn't know I was getting myself into. I mean, in that race, I learned a lot. I remember trying to, I was able to swim, come out front pack, going up the first big hill. I was in my big chain ring, didn't realize I needed to shift down. So I was I got dropped from that front pack. Um, <laughs> so there was a lot of lessons learned, but I ended up finishing running myself into fourth place. And I was really proud of that result, given it was my first race. And that's kind of where I got excited because I saw all these opportunities where I was like, oh, wow, I can I can do this. But I also have a lot of room for improvement. And um, that was kind of my progression for that summer. And then I joined the program after I finished school that fall uh, full time in Scottsdale, Arizona, in January, 2015. Okay. So that was going to be right. So at the time, the program, because I don't know if the collegiate recruitment program still works this way, but at the time they basically, you went and trained like a camp, like a squad yes. with a coach and it was a whole thing. Okay. Yes. They've kind of moved away from that now and athletes right. are able to pick their coaches and who they want to work with. But at the time, no, we were all one squad all together, um, training towards this goal and learning at the same time. So it sounds like what really drew you to triathlon was like, hey, I could be really good at this, right? Like that's what was appealing. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, when I started, I was like, okay, just give this summer a go and see what happens. Cause that's how I approached it. I knew I was going back to school in the fall. And so, um, I, yeah, I didn't, it wasn't until after I would say the Edmonton race that I kind of was like, oh, wow. Okay. I can do this. I actually enjoy this because <laughs> yeah, for me, I am definitely a person who loves racing. And that's why, like you said, I've been traveling a lot. I'm doing all these races and it's because I'm healthy and I can, um, I don't enjoy the training as much as I do racing. And so I, <laughs> I learned that pretty quick after Edmonton that, um, okay. yeah, that's what motivates me is racing. So that was 2014 and it was like by 2017, 2018, you were fourth in the world. So for people who don't know, like the world try series, there's a series for the year. Everyone you get, I don't know what the word would be like there, there are rankings, there are yes. places you can win it. And you were fourth overall for in 2017, 2018. So how did you kind of progress from, you know, fourth at U23 worlds to fourth overall in the world? Oh yeah. Um, it was kind of with the same, same plan, same attitude, just throwing myself into it. Um, in 2015, I did my first WTS and I got lapped by the lead runners. Gwen lapped me. Um, I got, I was the first runner not to get lapped out on the bike. Like I had another learning experience, maybe not the best result, but I was like, okay, this is the level I have to be at to be competitive here. And I quickly, learned. And two months later, I think I finished sixth at a, a WTS. So it took me a couple months to kind of just get the feel for things and get, uh, understand the intensity I needed at this racing level. And, uh, I kind of progressed from there. So to be honest, I, I think the change from 2014, 2015 to that fourth in 2017 was just time and experience and, in, in racing. Um, I knew I always had that ability, but I kind of just needed the time to, to develop as an athlete and get there. What made uh, that first up? What makes the WTS race so much harder? Yeah, um, I would say the course itself. I, my first WTS was in Auckland, and I would at the time that was definitely one of the hardest um, 
courses on the circuit, like going to that race, I remember being in a shuttle bus with Sarah True. And I think I asked her, oh, is this course flat? And she was like, oh, honey, like this course (laughs) (laughs) has three big hills on it. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like it was one of the hilliest courses out there. And so I think just the demands of the course, the intensity of the swim, um, the bodies, like everything's just a step up. I, th- I would say that from a Conti cup or lowest level racing to world cup to WTS, it's each level is just a little more intense. And um, obviously the depth of the field and the women gets higher as well. Yeah. It's been interesting though, cause I've been noticing this year and maybe it's just because of race, you know, race opportunities. You're definitely getting a lot more of the big names showing up at the world cups and it seems like there's more uh, crossover. So mm-hmm. I've wondered if I've been wondering, like, is it still, you know, the WTS races are so much, so much harder than the World Cup races? Yeah, actually, I think this is a unique time just because we people want to race and mm-hmm. Olympic points are on the line in this qualification time. So, no, you're right. The World Cups definitely are more competitive than they have been in the past. But I, I think that's great. Um, I like the challenge to be honest. And I like having the strong swim bikers that uh, make it like a really hard race all around. And so, um, no, it's definitely unique to this year. I would say that there's more um, athletes at the world cups. Okay. So as you were kind of like growing and learning and progressing, obviously it seemed like 2017, 2018, like you were on the brink of being podium in the world, right? Like one of the top three. And then you got pretty injured, right? And then you mm-hmm. and then you had a crash at the Tokyo test event. Yeah. It was pretty I mean, how did you kind of handle yeah, all I, this? It was a lot of a lot of things after 2017, 2018. I kind of finished those seasons being like, oh, I'm in a great position. I know what I have to do to qualify for this team. Um, and kind of had more of the mindset like, oh, I don't know what I'm gonna do if I don't qualify. Like I kind of had that <laughs> pressure on myself. And so I think this injury happened to kind of rewire my thinking. Um, (laughs) I have now a very different perspective on it for sure. And I am in a much different position than I thought I would be. But uh, yes, 2019, I got injured and it was more serious than I had thought. And I think what the doctors I was working with thought at first, because I kept, it happened in January, February. And when I told them my race schedule, they're like, oh yeah, you'll be back. And then it kept getting delayed and delayed. And so I had an adductor tear, strained my adductor at the Mm -hmm. pubic bone. Um, And it was just a partial tear, but it took a very long time and aggressive treatment to get back from that one. Um, And I think the hardest part was kind of um, accepting it as well as rethinking of what my baseline is and trying to forget who I was as an athlete before and that going forward, I had maybe this pain or this soreness I was going to have was my new baseline and that's okay. I'm not injuring myself, but I have to adjust to my current body, not how I used to train. And that was definitely took time for me to accept and kind of figure out what worked for me. And um, coming back from that injury, it was definitely a lot of challenges. Um, I did get back that season to race at the Olympic test event in Tokyo, August in 2019. And unfortunately, you're right, I crashed um, with another American and I had to get right. 15 stitches in my hip. And so that's um, set me back again, because also in addition to the adductor strain, I was dealing with osteitis pubis. And so the crash itself aggravated the joint and all the muscles around um, my groin area as well. And so I had to manage that. And that's takes time as well. So it kind of just prolonged my return to 
hundred percent running, um, intensity, everything. And it also kind of set me back, I think mentally, cause I was a little timid coming back because I got knocked down again. Um, I, I never gave up obviously here I am today and I'm healthy, but it <laughs> definitely, definitely was a challenge. And I approached these races kind of with more gratitude that I'm actually healthy to start <laughs> and that I have the opportunity to race. And that's kind of where my perspective is now. And if I make this Olympic team, I will be extremely excited. I have no expectations at this point. I'm just going out there and having fun and giving my all. And that's just my attitude going into it now. When you say you had to rethink kind of the athlete mm. you are now versus before, what, like, what did you have to change? Yeah, it was just more what my body would allow me to do. Mm. Um, coming back from that injury, injury, I had trouble with um, loading, allowing my body. I would get really tight. Um, I would get soreness based off of certain bike workouts, different intensity in the run. And so it was trying to find a way to make um, get those adjustments in training or adaptations in training, but different ways. And so I wasn't going to be able to go and climb the mountain that I wanted to climb. I had to do it in a different way and getting that strength through the gym or, um, just trying to find new ways to train given that mm. I had to make these, I had to rehab a lot of things. And so I wasn't as strong as I used to be. And so it was trying to find ways to get to that back to that level, but in a, a new way, this kind of, what I meant by that. Right. Interesting. And I know I totally get the coming back timid from a crash, right? Yes. I mean, everyone's, yes. almost everyone who's biked has had a crash. Almost everyone oh, for sure. feels that. It's yeah. Part of our how sport. do you get around? Yeah. How do you deal with that? How do you like, cause I remember Tokyo test event and Katie crashing and she raced like a week later or something. Right. And I thought that's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, how? but that's us. Right. Um, I mean, I crashed that day. Didn't look at my hip. I knew something was really wrong with my hip, got back up on my bike and just kept going. Cause I was like, this is our Olympic trials. This is, right. this is it. I got to finish this race. And it wasn't until I crossed the line and saw my coach and um, one of the USAT staff that I was like, I think I'm in trouble. And they looked down at my hip. They were like, Oh, yep. You need to go to the hospital. And like, I, I couldn't look at my hip or I don't know if I would have been able to finish that race because it was, uh, gnarly. <laughs> I, oh, no. It was wild um, to need 15 stitches. Yeah, there was there's a lot of blood and everything. <laughs> and you still finished. I did. Yes, I was very determined. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that speaks to how we overcome crashes is that we just have to right. throw ourselves right back into it and get back on that bike. And I raced, I think it was uh, like three weeks. I wasn't able to race Lausanne based off of medical recommendation given the crash and what I was dealing with, but I was able to race a week later and, um, kind of get rid of those fears of the bike and, uh, get back into it. And I think that's kind of how I personally approach it. approach it. I just got to get back out there. Um, yeah. How, yeah. Do you, uh, I mean, do you find yourself, does it take, like, do you do specific things to like get yourself back out there to like make yourself corner fat, like, Fat, you know, at the same sure. speed to practice being on people. Yeah. Yeah. Something I, I, I mean, I try not to think about if you go into a ride and you're like, Oh, I hope I don't crash. I don't want to crash. I don't want to crash. You're <laughs> going to probably crash because that's what you're thinking about. So no, I try to just remember like, Oh, wait on the outside pedal or um, mm. take this line. I kind of give myself cues that are what I want to do, not what I don't want to do. And that's kind of my, my recommendation that way. 
So obviously the other thing though is like, so this all happened mid late 19. And then, you know, if, if we had had the Olympics last year and stuff, sure. it would have been like a little show, but now you've had like this whole extra year, right? Is that, did that end up being good or bad? Yeah, no, I think it was actually very good for me. Um, I think yeah. I could have pulled something together for 2020 to give it a go, but I was grateful that I had more time that I could take a step back and make sure I was, rehabbed everything that I needed to correctly got the strength back before I added all the intensity and, um, and got me to where I am now. I mean, I feel very confident in my form at the moment and I'm excited to race leads this coming weekend and see what I can do. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. I racing Yokohama a couple weeks ago was definitely a shock to the system. That was my first uh, race in 18 months or so. And at that level, like two years. So it was definitely a shock, but I, I loved it. And that's why I'm lining up for leads. Yeah. I mean, you also, it seemed like, cause then you got bronze at the world cup last week. It seemed like you kind of remember, right. You're getting a little yeah, better can, as yeah. we go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually was surprised when I raced, uh, Lisbon, the world cup a week later after traveling from Japan, that I felt better in Lisbon than I did in Japan. And I think it was just that my body kind of remembered how to race and the feel of it. Right. And, uh, I needed to prime the body before I was fully ready. Apparently <laughs> you also changed coaches right during COVID and you moved out to Boulder. Uh, yes. was that one of those, was it coming anyway, regardless of COVID or was it one of those COVID where you like everyone reevaluated their lives? During yeah, COVID? it was, it was definitely a reevaluation evaluation of my, where I was at and, um, mm -hmm. kind of with these injuries and stuff, I needed something new and a new perspective and just new stimulus. Um, it was hard to separate what I was doing from what I used to do with the, my coach and everything. So I, mm -hmm. I just also didn't have women to train with. And, um, oh, really? that, that was something, yeah, it was mostly men. Um, I was training with Canadian men and I kind of needed a little support and females around me. So I joined Ian O'Brien's group. Uh, we have an amazing squad of women that I get to train with and they challenge me every day, but, uh, it's, it's been really exciting to, I've ne never been to Boulder before uh, moving there the first time. So I've been loving the training. It's amazing community. And that's, yeah, that's how I got there. Yeah, I was noticing, I mean, it's a story I want to work on and whatever, that Ian's squad, Ian O'Brien, if you pay attention, all the people that seem to be like improving and, and popping up on the results and kind of surprising everyone you guys all kind of train together. It's, it's, it's an interesting how he's built this squad that uh, is turning in to be very, very good. Yes. I think we all complement each other. Um, yeah. We have strong swimmers, strong cyclists, runners. So I think it's a good, it's a good group dynamic and we're all got very different personalities. So it works. It does. Um, and we're all very supportive of each other. So that's, that's the cool thing is that when we line up, we kind of race with this confidence that we're, we have people out there that's like support us and we, can like help each other in a race as well. Do you guys, I mean, you're all also though going after the same spots, right? Mm -hmm. And the same Olympic qualification. Does that ever get stressful? Um, so yeah, Taylor, Taylor and I, uh, trained together, but to be honest, going into Yokohama, we both were like very supportive of each other. I think, uh, we helped each other. I mean, she's a very strong cyclist as it showed in Yokohama. And right. I would like to, hope that I could have helped her in other ways as well in training. And I personally, having run at Georgetown, I kind of 
got this sense that my teammates could only make me better and they're my friends. And so I try to carry that over to triathlon now. And so that's one of the, again, the reason why I wanted to join the squad is because I wanted to have women to challenge me. And uh, I don't want to, I want to train with people better than me that can, uh, yeah, raise the bar. And so I think, yes, it could be difficult to tra- uh, train with other Americans or other people that are competing for spots, but I think it's all about your mindset. And for me, I, I think I thrive in those situations rather than um, it doesn't hinder me in that way. It wasn't stressful. Um, I mean, in practice, people can swim faster, bike faster, but it comes down to the day and what you can do on the day at the race, not necessarily what happens in practice. Right. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, Cause yeah, I mean, you have all kinds of different people in your squad and doing different races, different things, but seems like everyone's also having very good race lead. So maybe it's your turn next. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> what does a regular, tra- I mean, our people are always super interested kind of for a pro squad. What does a training week look like? Like how I know it varies, but how much are you training? How much do you train with other people? How much do you see your coach? Are you, you know, mm-hmm. how does that work? Yeah, no, our squad is like full time. Um, we, take Mondays and Fridays as our recovery days. And those are days where we can do our own thing. But um, otherwise we are trained together and everyone has like their own sessions that are tweaked a little bit, but no, we swim together um, at rally fitness. And um, I do strength with Aaron Carson on my own. Like that's where I add that my own personal aspects, um, individual stuff, but no, we, we train probably around 20, 25 hours a week. Um, it all varies on the, per- the person and their volume, but uh no, Ian's there on deck. And, um, I personally like having an in-person coach. It just, I like to get that feedback and I like to have teammates around. I know some of the guys also do like some of the group rides in town. Do you ever do group rides? I yeah. haven't, I haven't tried yet just cause I've been training with these, these ladies, but, um, no, I've been told that they're pretty good and there's some good cycling around that, um, maybe after these races, I can jump in some crits or group rides and try it out. Mm. You kind of touched, or we kind of just touched on, but the U.S. women's team is also, I mean, it's got to be the hardest Olympic team to make in the sport, right? (laughs) And it's so deep and you can be fourth in the world and fourth on the U.S. team. And that's just how it goes. Yep. Does that, I mean, you have to, you have to have thought about this, right? Like, oh man, do you ever think it sucks? I wish I could just race for another country or is it motivating? Is there, are there good things and bad things? Yeah, no, there's definitely good things and bad things, but for the most part, I think it's motivating. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. Katie winning worlds in 2019 kind of set the standard where I was like, okay, I want to go win worlds. So that's, that's a goal for me. I mean, it just shows, it shows me like we're all capable of this and, um, right. we're very supportive of each other, uh, that way, which is pretty neat, but no, it's definitely challenging. I mean, I wasn't on the start list for Yokohama until a week before the race. And that's because I'm my ranking, I was the sixth American. And so that itself is really challenging, um, trying to kind of cope with that and that stress of not knowing if you're going to get a start or not, but that's just the reality of the U S team and our depth. And I think it speaks to, um, just the caliber of athletes we have. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, for me personally, it motivates me, uh, that we're this strong and that when we go to race, we're racing each other, but we're also all there to represent the U S yeah i mean other countries are i obviously like the u.s and britain are kind of very dominant right now yeah for a number of reasons other countries will catch up eventually (laughs) 
I think so. Like, yeah, they're, like sure. we'll have, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I think for sure that will happen. And I do think a benefit the U.S. does have is then NCAA. And that's honestly how mm-hmm. us, we all came up through that program. So I think we will be competitive for a while. Yeah, yeah, NCAA and and all and the Title Nine, and so you kind of mentioned obviously you raced Yokohama, <laughs> and Taylor, your teammate, won and took the automatic Olympic spot. So there's one spot left. You raced in Lisbon, you raced in Italy, and now this weekend is Leeds, and there are three Americans. And uh, I'm kind of just summing this up for people because there's three Americans and there's one spot left, and it's super crazy, and you're all very very good. It's got to be a little bit stressful, right? Like knowing like you have one, maybe two races left to kind of make your case. And then it comes down to USAT deciding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But that's why we're doing the sport. I mean, I, (laughs) it's true, right? My goal was to make the Olympics. And so this is, this is exciting for me. And kind of going back to what I said about how the injury changed my thinking for me Mm -hmm. to be back here and having the opportunity, I'm just like excited and I can say that 100% that um, whatever happens, happens. And I've given it my all with what's been thrown at me. And um, I don't know how the other girls feel about it. But yeah, it's, I mean, three spots. And we probably have six or seven women that are capable of going to the Olympics. It's it's a very strong team. And I, I know whoever makes it uh, will represent us well. And, um, I'm planning to try for Paris 2024 as well. So I know okay. it's not my last shot, but um, now you'll see me around for a little bit. <laughs> so whatever happens, happens. But um, no, it's it, that's sport. And I, I know that there's more than just Olympics as well. And I have big goals ahead. So it, it's just a, a step in the process for me. For sure. And obviously the other thing is, you know, this last spot comes down to discretion and it's going to be chosen. I always wonder if the athletes prefer it that way or do you prefer it being like i have to hit this yeah result yeah yeah it's it's tough because having had the injuries i almost prefer the auto stuff because i don't Mm -hmm. necessarily know the depth of my results will speak for that Mm -hmm. discretion spot or not so um it's yeah no it's it's hard i i don't think there's any right or wrong way but uh yeah i will try my best in leads to show that i'm capable of meddling and we'll see what happens yeah, I mean, obviously, other sports do it where it's just you know track does it just top three on that day sure. it goes on that day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. triathlon's like a little bit different. Yeah. It, it, it is. It's hard too because obviously each course right now is so different than the Olympic course and everything. So there's I understand why there's discretion and there's more evaluation than just one day on a course that might not be a display of the Olympic course, the water temperature, the hilly you bike or technical bike, etc. So. There's there's reasons for the discretion, and I think it makes sense. But uh, it's definitely makes it challenging, and the selectors will will have to <laughs> have to no task on their hands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've also done some mixed relay too, which is going to make its Olympic debut. I know you were on the 2016 uh, team that competed in the World Championship, which was like the first time it had been in the World Championships, I think. Right? Yeah. Um, it had been in the previous years, but it was just announced that it was going to be in the Olympics. Right. And so it, it kind of carried more weight. And what do you, do you wish you prefer a relay or individual? Ooh, tough. Um, <laughs> I love the relay. Um, 
I, okay. I, I mean, I, I like competing for myself and controlling stuff, but I also love the team aspect. And so um, I think it's a pretty special event, especially that they're men and women on it. And I always put my hand up to be on that relay team. And <laughs> so, and I, I enjoy, I enjoy leading off too and taking the pressure okay. of um, trying to get the team in a good position. Cause there's some strategy that goes into like who does what leg, right? Cause it kind of gets more strung out as it goes on. So. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's, I leave that up it's to the, the <laughs> high performance director <laughs> to figure out, but uh, no, I, I definitely am not afraid to start and put myself out there and hopefully put the U S in a good position handing off. Cool. Uh, what's your favorite race out of all the ones you've done then? Ooh. Um, actually I really enjoy Hamburg, uh, speaking of mixed team okay. relay, it's just, uh, I think the environment, the atmosphere at the race, it's amazing. All the spectators that show up and the course and everything, it's just, uh, it's a really, a really neat event. And I think that's been my favorite race. What have the races been like so far with COVID? I mean, I know Yokohama, you guys were pretty locked down. Like you couldn't leave Very. your hotel room. Yeah. So has there, I mean, have there even been people out at races? How has it kind of gone? Um, yeah, there were definitely people at races. Um, they're just spread out and wearing masks and that's our only interaction is on race day while we're racing. So to be honest, I couldn't really tell you too much cause I wasn't focusing <laughs> on the crowds, but, um, that was the only time that in like Japan, I saw, um, people <laughs> other than like us triathletes. So no, there's been some very strict uh, bubble situations and we will be going into another one in Leeds. But uh, if that means we can race, I'm I'm willing to do it. Yeah, is there, I mean, is it as strict in Leeds as it was in York? Because I know Yokohama, it was, I mean, you literally like couldn't leave the hotel room. Mm. Like there was set times for training and like, and if people were showing me their binders of yeah. forms they had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Leeds is going to be just as strict. We fly in, okay. um, you're supposed to arrive on Thursday or Friday, Friday this week. You're not allowed leaving your room unless it's for the course familiar film mills um, or the race day. And they are feeding us our meals and we have schedules of what time to go pick it up. Uh, no, it's, we're not allowed leaving that hotel room until it's race time. So we are definitely in strict quarantine, but it's, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> like at least you get to race, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's probably good practice for what might happen at the Olympics. Who knows what for kind sure. of situations we have to deal with. So it's, it's good practice. All right. So I'm assuming like you're not, I mean, you're not thinking beyond Leeds right now. You're definitely not thinking beyond Tokyo, but what are your plans mm -hmm. You're still aiming for 2024 Paris too. So what are your long-term goals, plans for triathlon? Yeah, I couldn't tell you really <laughs> my rest of my season. Um, it all depends on what happens with Tokyo. But I mean, I'm going after the World Series. I want to be on that podium finishing fourth. I'm like tapping on that, that door. So I'm ready to kind of break through that and get on that podium. And then I do want to try myself at, uh, test myself at 70.3s. I don't know mm. when that will be, but if there's an opportunity, I will definitely give that a go. But no, after, after this year, um, Paris is kind of what I'll target for. Okay. Uh, yeah, it seems like everybody, all the Olympic athletes kind of move up to 70.3 once they're done mm -hmm. with the, right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And that, that excites me. I like the challenge and I think that's kind of what keeps me motivated. So I would love to see how I can go at that distance. Are you also doing the super league stuff this fall and the, that kind of thing? 
I, so I've done super league in the past. I have been actually committed to anything at this okay. point. I would love to, I mean, it's a lot of fun and it's, it's <laughs> a really neat format. It's challenging, but uh, no, if, if it makes sense with my plan after right. this whole Olympic stuff, absolutely. But I, I haven't committed to anything. You, yeah. I mean, you can't make any plans right now. You gotta just <laughs> wait and see. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> I know it, which is kind of crazy. I know I'm, I'm living in Boulder and that's like about it. <laughs> so I was going to say, what are your, I mean, you and your fiance have to also plan to eventually live in the same place, right? If you kind of like, yep. thought about that. Yeah. We've started talking about it, but we, it's ex exactly, we're like, we'll wait till after the Olympics. We'll figure this out later. <laughs> so. Okay. Um, is there, yeah, I'm trying to think how you deal with all that uncertainty and, but I guess athletes are just used to it and you just kind of figure it out and. Yeah. That's just on. kind of the nature of what we're doing. Um, yeah, there definitely is a lot that of unknown, but thankfully, um, my family supports me and they, that's always helpful just to kind of have their support. And I got Matt who's on the same journey as I am. So it, it's good that we have each other and, um, we have a dog, Reggie, who also brings a little uh, calm and joy to our life. And so, um, yeah, it's it's good. That's my trying to find a, a home is <laughs> or a piece of home is my dog. So <laughs> does he have to stay? I mean, I'm assuming he's staying with somebody right now. Yes. So thankfully, my parents have stepped up and uh -huh. my mom actually flew out to boulder and drove back to the east coast um with my dog and so she'll have them until after uh i guess july or august right. um depending on racing but no she stepped up and um is taking care of my little baby so <laughs> <laughs> so here's my last question for you you grew up in boston right and you're i think like your family mm -hmm. was really your uncle played in the nhl like why Yep. not do hockey or one of those other like new england yeah. <laughs> things. yeah so hockey very very much runs in my family um on my dad's side everyone played hockey and my uncle like you said was in the nhl but for me my parents growing up let me try every sport i was thrown into everything and it, it was kind of where in high school i started running i enjoyed swimming it was just kind of what i chose to do as a kid um i definitely played soccer I, I played basketball. I did all the sports and um, I just found a love for swimming and running. And that's kind of what led me to where I, where I am. Were there any of the sports you were bad at? Um, I wasn't very good at basketball. Definitely not. <laughs> not coordinated that way. <laughs> and I wasn't so very good. I did, I did figure skate as well. And I wasn't very good at skating. So that was a no to hockey there. <laughs> okay. So. Okay. This makes sense. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, are there any other tips then you would give people uh, about Boston? Because I don't really think of it as like a mm -hmm. triathlon, running, swimming place. Sure. Um, it's actually beautiful for running and triathlon is starting to pick up there. I know they have some kids programs in the area and um, kind of teams and stuff and um, tips. Uh I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if you're in Boston itself, running along the river, you'll, it's amazing how right. much of a running community there is there. And, um, yeah, act, there's a lot of active people. All right. What is your favorite place out of all the places you've had to train to train and, you know, Ooh. do triathlon? Wow. That's tough. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always, 
I usually say I really enjoy training in New Zealand and racing in New Zealand. Um, I think it's just a beautiful country and uh, they love the sport of triathlon. So there's a lot of active community. Um, but right. in terms of the training bases I've been in, I really enjoy training in Victoria, British Columbia. And that's where mm-hmm. my fiance Matt's from. So it, it kind of feels like a piece of home for me since, since there is family there. And no, it's, it's a really neat town and community. Yes, yeah, where they're like high performance kind of is based yes, out of there. Right? Canada is based there. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us and good luck at Leeds this weekend. It's going to be hilly and rainy and I know. Bring it. All I kinds love of it. fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm excited. I, again, racing Leeds is always a challenging course, but uh, I think it'll be a good one. So I'm confident yeah. and excited. Thanks to Laura and Kristen for talking to us. And thanks to all of you for listening. Hopefully you tune in this weekend for the Olympic qualifying race in Leeds. Otherwise, keep training and keep listening.